section one thirty three of china japan and the islands of the pacific this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by betty b the world's story volume one china japan and the islands of the pacific edited by eva march tappan section one hundred thirty three the last voyage of captain cook by charles c b seymour the hawaiian formerly known as the sandwich islands were discovered by captain cook in seventeen seventy eight and there the great navigator met his death in eighteen twenty american missionaries went to the islands and in twenty years the speech of the natives had been reduced to writing schools and courts of justice had been organized and the irresponsible rule of the king had been limited by a constitution in eighteen ninety three the attempts of queen liliokalani to claim more authority than was granted by the old constitution resulted in her deposition and in eighteen ninety four a republic was established in eighteen ninety eight the islands were at their own request annexed to the united states and two years later they became a territory of that country the editor cook's third and last voyage was undertaken for the purpose of discovering a supposed northwest passage from the atlantic to the pacific ocean numerous expeditions had been sent out for this purpose at various times but they had all failed it was resolved by the admiralty to make one other trial under the auspices of the successful navigator accordingly on the tenth of february seventeen seventy six he was appointed to the command in his old and trusty ship the resolution and captain clerk in the discovery was ordered to accompany him cook's instructions were to proceed direct to the pacific ocean and thence to try the passage by way of bering's straits and as it was necessary that the islands in the southern ocean should be revisited cattle and sheep with other animals and all kinds of seeds were shipped for the advantage of the inhabitants the resolution sailed on the twelfth of july seventeen seventy six the discovery was to follow having on board a native of the sandwich islands to act as interpreter nothing of importance occurred on the outward voyage and on the twelfth of february seventeen seventy seven cook arrived at queen charlotte's sound new zealand where he anchored he found the natives suspiciously shy and no amount of persuasion could induce them to venture on board they had reason for their uneasiness on the last voyage the adventure had visited this place and ten of her crew had been killed in an unpremeditated skirmish they apprehended chastisement and thought it best to be on the alert it was not convenient for cook to add to any ill-feeling that might exist so he said nothing about the massacre but tried to conciliate from the sound the ship proceeded to some of the south sea islands where they obtained a plentiful supply of provisions but were greatly annoyed by the thievish propensities of the natives to check this cook hit upon a new device he seized the culprit and shaved his head thus making him an object of ridicule to his countrymen and enabling the english to keep their eyes on him at tonga taboo generous hospitality was shown to them 
and the king invited cook to reside with him in his house here he made a distribution of animals among the chiefs explaining their uses and how to preserve them a horse and mare a bull and cow several sheep and turkeys were thus given away but in spite of this kindly reciprocity thieving still went on cook became incensed and determined that he would put a stop to it at any risk two kids and two turkey cocks were abstracted from the stores the captain seized three canoes put a guard over the chiefs and insisted that not only the kids and turkeys should be restored but also everything that had been taken away since their arrival much of the plunder was returned but the chiefs who were friendly probably felt themselves insulted after remaining nearly three months in these hospitable but unprincipled regions cook took his departure for otaheite and thence for matavai bay where he presented king otu with the remainder of his livestock among which were a horse and mare to show the natives the use of the latter animals captains cook and clerk rode about the island on horseback much to the astonishment of the simple people more civilized people have sometimes been astonished when they saw for the first time mr jack tar astride a horse the wonder of the natives never abated at huaheni a thief occasioned the voyagers much trouble he was a determined rascal and shaving his head and beard and cutting off his ears had no moral effect on him he persisted in his evil ways and defied public opinion at ulictia several desertions took place the deserters being sheltered by the indians both captain clerk and captain cook went in pursuit of the fugitives but without success the latter therefore ordered the chief's son daughter and son-in-law to be seized and held as hostages until the deserters were given up the remedy was effectual and in a few days an exchange was effected this severe policy of cook was intended to save the spilling of innocent blood but it produced much indignation among the savages who felt that it was an outrage to seize the highest persons in their land for every trivial offence even at this early day schemes were afoot to assassinate cook and clerk on the second of january the ships resumed their voyage northward they passed several islands the inhabitants of which though at an immense distance from otaheite spoke the same language those who came on board displayed the utmost astonishment at everything they saw and it was evident that they had never seen a ship before they resembled the south sea islanders in another unpleasant respect they were passionately addicted to stealing to a group of these islands captain cook gave the name of the sandwich islands new albion was made on the seventh of march the ships then being in latitude forty four degrees thirty three minutes north and after sailing along it till the twenty ninth they came to anchor in a small cove lying in latitude forty nine degrees twenty nine minutes north a brisk trade commenced with the natives who appeared to be well acquainted with the value of iron and were eager to get it in exchange for skins etc rough and manufactured into garments but the most extraordinary articles which they offered in trade were human skulls and hands not quite stripped of the flesh and which had the appearance of having been recently on the fire thieving was practised in a dexterous and educated manner 
but the natives were strict in being paid for everything they supplied to the ships with which rule cook was happy to comply this inlet was called king george's sound but it was afterward ascertained that the natives called it nootka sound by which name it is more commonly known from this point they exercised the greatest watchfulness hoping to find an outlet into the atlantic ocean but as every one knows without success cook was able however to ascertain the relative positions of the two continents asia and america whose extremities he observed he explored the coasts in bering straits where they found some russian traders the ships then quitted the harbour of sam Ganuda and sailed for the sandwich islands captain cook intending to await the season there and then returned to kamschatka in latitude twenty degrees fifty five minutes they discovered the island of moi and a few days later fell in with another which the natives called owahi the extent of which was so great that the voyagers were nearly seven weeks sailing around it and examining the coast the inhabitants were extremely pleasant and appeared to be entirely free from suspicion their canoes flocked around the ships in hundreds and came well laden too but the gentlemen were light-fingered and had but little fear of gunpowder captain cook had an interview with Teriobu, king of the islands in which great formality was observed on both sides followed by an exchange of presents and an exchange of names the natives were extremely deferential to cook displaying almost an amount of adoration a society of priests native furnished the ships with a plentiful supply of hogs and vegetables without requiring any return on the day previous to their departure the king sent them an immense quantity of cloth many boatloads of vegetables and a whole herd of hogs the ships then sailed but on the following day encountered such a severe storm that they had to put back in order to repair damages they anchored at the old spot and for a time things went on pleasantly but a theft took place and the seamen becoming enraged at losing every trifling article they possessed had an affray with the natives it was not a trifling article in this instance however being in fact no smaller than the cutter of the ship discovery the boats of both vessels were immediately sent in search of her and captain cook went on shore to arrange matters in a determined spirit the robbery was of the most audacious kind and certainly merited punishment but it is questionable if cook's policy considering the kindness he had so lately experienced was the best that could have been devised cook left the resolution about seven o'clock attended by the lieutenant of marines a sergeant a corporal and seven private men the pinnace's crew were likewise armed and under the command of mr roberts the launch was also ordered to assist his own boat on landing there was not the slightest symptom of hostility crowds gathered around the englishmen and were kept in order by the chiefs who seemed desirous that everything should proceed in an orderly and pleasant manner captain cook proceeded to the king's house and requested that he would go on board the resolution intending of course to keep him as a hostage the king individually offered but few objections but his people evidently understood the manoeuvre and quietly commenced arming themselves with spears clubs and daggers and protecting themselves with the thick mats which they usually donned in time of war like armour 
while affairs were in this state a canoe arrived from the opposite side of the bay and announced that one of the native chiefs had been killed by a shot from the discovery's boat indignant excitement now agitated the crowd the women retired and the men openly uttered threats cook perceiving the threatening aspect that things had assumed ordered lieutenant middleton to march his marines down to the boats to which the islanders offered no objection he then escorted the king attended by his wife two sons and several chiefs one of the sons had already entered the pinnace expecting his father to follow when the king's wife entreated him not to leave the shore or he would be put to death matters were now hurrying to a crisis a chief with a dagger concealed under his cloak was observed watching cook and the lieutenant of marines wanted to fire at him but this the captain would not permit the chief gained new courage by this hesitation and closed on them and the officer struck him with his firelock another native interfered and grasped the sergeant's musket and was compelled to let it go by a blow from the lieutenant cook seeing that it was useless to attempt to force the king off was about to give orders to re-embark when a man flung a stone at him which he returned by discharging small shot from the barrels of his piece the man being scarcely hurt brandished his spear as if about to hurl it at the captain who at once knocked him down but refrained from using ball he then addressed the crowd and endeavored to restore peace but while so engaged a man was observed behind a double canoe in the act of darting a spear at the captain seeing that his life was really in danger cook fired but killed the wrong man the sergeant of marines however instantly brought down the offender with his musket for a moment the islanders seemed to lose some of their impetuosity but the crowds that had gathered behind pressed on those who were the immediate spectators of what had occurred and what was even more fatal poured in a volley of stones the marines without waiting for orders returned the compliment with the general discharge of musketry which was directly succeeded by a brisk fire from the boats cook was surprised and vexed at this accidental turn of affairs and waved his hand to the boats to desist and come on shore to embark the marines the pinnace unhesitatingly obeyed but the lieutenant in the launch instead of pulling in to the assistance of his commander rowed farther off at the very moment when his services were most required the marines crowded into the pinnace with precipitation and confusion and were so jammed together that they were unable to protect themselves those who were on shore kept up the fire but the moment their pieces were discharged the islanders rushed upon them and forced the party into the water where four of them were killed and the lieutenant wounded when this occurred cook was standing alone on a rock near the shore seeing however that it was now clearly a matter of escape he hurried toward the pinnace holding his left arm round the back of his head to shield it from stones and carrying his musket in his right hand a remarkably agile warrior a relation of the king's was seen to follow him and before his object could be frustrated sprang forward upon the captain and struck him a heavy blow on the back of his head and then turned and fled cook staggered a few paces dropped his musket and fell on his hands and one knee before he could recover himself another islander rushed forward and with an iron dagger stabbed him in the neck 
he sank into the water and was immediately set upon by a number of savages who tried to keep him down but he succeeded in getting his head up the pinnace was within half a dozen yards of him and he cast an imploring look as if for assistance the islanders forced him down again in a deeper place but his great muscular strength enabled him to recover himself and cling to the rock he was not there for more than a moment when a brutal savage dealt him a heavy blow with a club and he fell down lifeless the indians then hauled his corpse upon the rock and ferociously stabbed it all over handing the dagger from one to another in order that all might participate in the sweet revenge the body was left for some time upon the rock and the islanders gave way as though afraid of the act they had committed but there was no attempt to recover it by the ship's crew and it was subsequently cut up together with the bodies of the marines and the parts distributed among the chiefs the mutilated fragments were afterward restored and committed to the deep with all the honors due to the rank of the deceased thus ingloriously perished one of england's greatest navigators whose services to science have never been surpassed by any man belonging to his profession it may almost be said says mr robert chambers that he fell a victim to his humanity for if instead of retreating before his barbarous pursuers with the view to spare their lives he had turned revengefully upon them his fate might have been very different the command of the resolution devolved on captain clerk and mr gore acted as commander of the discovery after making some further explorations among the sandwich islands the vessels visited kamchatka and bering straits there it was found impossible to accomplish the objects of the expedition and it returned southward another misfortune befell the voyagers on the twenty second of august seventeen seventy nine captain clerk died of consumption the ships visited kamchatka once more and then returned by way of china arriving in england on the fourth of october seventeen eighty after an absence of four years two months and twenty-two days when it became known in england that captain cook had perished all classes of people expressed their sympathy and deep sorrow the king granted a pension of two hundred pounds per annum to his widow and twenty-five pounds per annum to each of her children the royal society had a gold medal struck in commemoration of his services and at home and abroad honors were scattered on his memory that cook was justly entitled to these testimonials is beyond a doubt not only for the good he did his country but for his own individual merit it would be difficult to find a more brilliant instance of purely self-made greatness starting in life under circumstances of the most depressing nature he succeeded solely by the force of industry in acquiring accomplishments which gave him the foremost place among the scientific men of his age from the obscure condition of a foremost man on a collier he rose to be the greatest discoverer of modern times a recapitulation of what he accomplished may appropriately close this sketch he discovered new caledonia and norfolk island new georgia and the sandwich and many smaller islands in the pacific surveyed the society islands the friendly islands and the new hebrides determined the insularity of new zealand circumnavigated the globe in a high southern latitude so as to decide that no continent existed 
north of a certain parallel explored the then unknown eastern coasts of new holland for two thousand miles determined the proximity of asia to america which the discoverer of bering's straits did not perceive and wherever he went brought strange people into communication with the civilized world through the wide gates of commerce and mutual interest the rock where captain cook fell is an object of curiosity in hawaii to the present day the natives point it out with sorrow and show the stump of a coconut tree where they say he expired the upper part of this tree has been carried to england and is preserved in the museum of greenwich hospital on the remaining stump which has been carefully capped with copper is the following inscription near this spot fell captain james cook r n the renowned circumnavigator who discovered these islands a d seventeen seventy eight end of section one hundred thirty three